Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with our executive producer and co-host, Mark Griffith. Uh, we also have Landon back in the studio over there doing some producing for us, which is very exciting. Would you, wouldn't you say, Mark? Uh, we love having Landon. It's yeah. been several years, maybe yeah. five. The quality of the show will probably go down a notch, but the humor <laughs> potentially will go up. No, I'm just kidding. Factually correct. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you well, can defend yourself, Landon, right. anytime. <laughs> well, thank you guys for stopping into the housing hour. We're excited to have you, and we want to tell you guys how to plug in with us. Number one, you can go to thehousinghour.com, and that is the treasure trove, mothership of all of our information. You can share our show with friends and family, and we'd love for you to also subscribe to our podcast. You can go to Apple uh, Podcast, and we can uh, be subscribed to there. Um, Also, we're, of course, on the social media outlets. We're on Facebook. You can go to Facebook and uh, just search for The Housing Hour on Twitter as well, at The Housing Hour. And Mark also is on Pinterest as well, so we can find him there. (laughs) Daniel's the same thing every time. I love Um, it. uh, So we are having Daniel back in, Daniel Park, a realtor with Keller Williams. And we had him on uh, in the past uh, talking about sort of emotional intelligence um, within the real estate community. But in general, you know what? It applies to any any community, any industry. Right. So, Daniel, first of all, thank you for stopping back in and seeing us. Yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah, it was really fun having you. And it was at the right time, too, for me, because I had been reading several books. And so it, it kind of came in line with a lot of the things that I was already thinking about. Mm-hmm. And your process that you stepped us through, which I thought was really, really well thought out. And I think you had given credit for, uh, for that to somebody. Yes. Daniel Goleman. Yes. And it was, it was those things that you sort of focus on when you do your emotional intelligence class in real estate. Um, why don't we start? Can we just kind of just, just quickly pop through those again? Sure. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on them just so we can set the stage for today. Yeah, absolutely. Again, these were um, put together by Daniel Goleman, um, who wrote the book called Emotional Intelligence. Mm-hmm. It came out, I think, in the early nineties. On this, <laughs> he sure did. Uh, he's a brilliant man. Um, so the five five stages that he talks about are self awareness, mm-hmm. self regulation, motivation, empathy, and people skills. Mm-hmm. So those five categories are what yeah. we discussed in the first episode. And also for our listeners. When we think about real estate, which is mm-hmm. what your primary um, training ground is, and you're also a realtor, you know, mm-hmm. you do some training as well, right? Because you're trying to be a good teammate and help where you, you know, everybody has sort of talents and, and pieces that they can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at in the real estate community, we talked about it being a very high pressure transaction, um, right? Not just for the realtor, or not just for the the, the, the borrower or the client or the customer but also for the realtors mm-hmm. as well. And you, you, when you go through your training, you do have realtors mainly, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't ever have these classes for clients yet? That's not something that's probably... No, I've never done it for clients, but I have done it now um, once for lenders and mm-hmm. actually had a diff- another lending group reach out to me about doing it soon. So we're going to get that on the schedule. Yeah. Um, so, And then even just through some word of mouth, I've had some other folks from... 
different industries reach out and say, hey, could you come spend a you know a lunch with us and mm-hmm. share a little bit about this? I think it'd help our folks. Absolutely. So. Now, when you think about the the um, generations that benefit or uh, everybody would benefit, but that you see being more interested in this concept, mm-hmm. um, where do you think that falls? Is it pretty much just millennials or do you see some, you know, Gen X and baby boomers or just a combination? I, I do think that the younger group, uh, the millennials are a little more inclined to this. Um, I, I think that's just a cultural situation. And I think maybe partly why this this concept of emotional intelligence, soft skills, some of those important things in business is really gaining traction mm-hmm. in the last few years. Uh, more and more people are interested. But, you know, in some of the classes I've done, there have been folks from, you know, a little bit older generations that have really gravitated toward it and asked some great questions and even given me feedback on how they were able to implement some of these skills into their business, but also into their family life, social life. And Mark, um, when you hear so. that, what do you think um, when you talk about the older generations? Is that something that you... I'm thinking of you uh-huh. uh, and some of those millennials <laughs> that have getting gray hair now. Yeah, it's <laughs> the true. gray-haired millennials. It's true. Yeah. But, but, you know, whenever I started in the industry and I was, you know, 25, um, 24. That's how old I was when I got in. Right. When I got in, I, I was not thinking about emotional intelligence. I just was thinking about how can I get a deal? You know, I mm-hmm. wanted to survive. Um, but as I began to sort of become, you know, the loan officer that I, I ultimately became, even though I wasn't consciously thinking that, I was definitely examining that emotional piece of the puzzle. But I didn't have somebody like Daniel that laid out a process. It- and when I got into the business, it, the emotional intelligence was alternative clothes. How can mm. I sell the item and get you emotionally wrapped up in that item to press hard three copies? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really about how you're feeling today, Daniel. Right. It was more, more about, do you like what I've got? Press hard three copies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a good point. Yeah. Very good point. And, and so how does that, Daniel, fit into, into and you look at the way that people communicate and you look at into your point of what you just said. Um, I don't know that the morality of America has changed any, but certainly us looking at what is best for the person at the end of the transaction has become more, more important, I think, in today's society. Um, but what do you think in terms of, you know, the way that he used emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and the people, you know, and, and I did the same thing. Um, and we talked about it last time, you know, th- these tools that you possess can be used in multiple ways they can be used for good but they also can be used to manipulate you know true so yeah it it certainly can be a manipulation tool um you know i think it's really important that we are able to to look at people and see them as people they're not an address they're not a line item um they're they're human beings and as we all know as humans we are are drawn to and created for connection and relationships. And so this role within real estate, whether you're a real estate agent or a lender or somebody involved in the process, you get the opportunity to connect with a client and get to know them, I I think, in a really unique way. I mean, just comparatively to other industries, you, you learn a lot about people through this home buying and selling process. You hear stories about where they grew up or what it was like for their kids or, you know, all those things that 
in a lot of industries, you don't get that. And so there's kind of a natural setting for the connection in, in the real estate world. But it is important that, you know, paying attention to these emotional intelligence skills, you use those for the benefit of the other person or, or maybe for the benefit of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's okay. You know, if I'm, let's say I'm in a, um, a potential client meeting trying to win a listing and I'm able to use some of these skills that I've learned in emotional intelligence and they choose me to work with them. Like that's kind of a win, two ways of win. I get more business, but I get a new relationship. And so I, I definitely can see how it can be taken from a manipulative standpoint, mm-hmm. but um, I also think it's for the good of everybody. When yeah. you, when you, and this is in life, this isn't just real estate, but when mm-hmm. you're in a, a situation, you have someone on the other end of a listing, you, you're selling the house and then you have a buyer's agent or vice versa. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But if you have the time to take, to get to know that person and build, right. build a, I want to say build a relationship, but really just, it's asking some key questions mm-hmm. and it's, it's, Number one, it starts with self-awareness. You know, you know yourself, mm-hmm. so you know what motivates and what drives you. But getting to that, to the heart of that for the person on the other side mm. can really be a very big tool. Not just, not. I'm not saying to, to manipulate. I'm saying right. you know what drives them. Right. Yeah, I love what you just said there. You said key questions. Mm-hmm. I think one of the greatest, you know, strengths of a, of a great real estate agent is curiosity mm-hmm. and just asking good questions. And again, we're talking about real estate, but that really applies in any, anywhere, any field, mm-hmm. any relationship, um, uh, place. So asking good questions and being curious is a great way to get to know people, getting to know someone deepens levels of trust. It, it deepens your own compassion. I mean, I think compassion is something we didn't talk about a lot in the first episode, but it's a really important piece of emotional intelligence is mm-hmm. feeling compassion for somebody but you know if i were to ask you guys who do you feel compassion for i would assume you your answer would be those who you know pretty well Mm -hmm. and so that's a big part of this process are you asking a question or is that just your i'm answering for you Uh, it's a rhetorical (laughs) rhetorical question. i'm just assuming uh that you know it's it's an important part but you have to know that person for that to kind of compassion to to well up with I like you. I like that thought because and we'll we're gonna go to break here in just a second but when we get on the other side of this break um, I do want to talk a little bit more about using compassion mm-hmm. as a tool guess what that's a win-win you're yep. being compassionate but ultimately you're able to see what the obstacles are and help to remove those that's what we're doing we're just hey we're just trying to make things happen mm-hmm. and, and that's what we do um, guys continue with us we'll be right back after these messages Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. And we also have in studio with us Daniel Park. 
uh, appreciate him coming in again. And um, we had a lot of lot of activity on. It the was last a good show. one, good really show. good show. Um, and it's hard to measure the Apple Podcast uh, downloads or whatever, but we had a lot of SoundCloud views, and definitely we beat the sports animal um, as far as ratings go. <laughs> again, uh, again, <laughs> uh, we're up against Air Game, so that's not that tough. No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> but we are talking about really a lot of things that anyone could put into use. Mm-hmm. Emotional intelligence is the concept, and. Um, one of the things that I thought about when we um, ended the show last week is I began to think about, you know, what does this relate to? Right. Is it, is it um, something that you could use in your just daily life? And the answer is absolutely yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be the person that you're going through the drive through picking up a smoothie. Mm-hmm. It could be the person that you're dealing with at the bank. It could, I mean, the compassion part of it, and that's kind of what I want to segue back mm-hmm. into a little bit, is no matter what type of experience that you have with another person, whether that be good, bad, or indifferent, they all, they're at 100% of the time, the other person has a perspective, they have emotions, mm-hmm. and they have circumstances in their life. Right. Right. So if I can just crystallize in my mind, well, my circumstances change, my circumstances aren't always great, you know. I've had things happen to me. I've had bad days. You know, can I give a little grace here? You mm-hmm. know, talk a little bit about how you use compassion as it relates to these other things that we're talking about. Sure. You know, um, compassion to me, it, it goes in line with empathy, which we talked a lot more about on the first episode. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's so important that the focus with compassion is on that other person. I I don't know if you guys can relate to this. I know Mm -hmm. for me, I still struggle with, you know, being in conversation and I can't wait to get a story out about myself. (laughs) Uh, And, and so in that example, certainly lacking some compassion or focus or empathy um, on that other person. So, you know, we were talking earlier about how curiosity is such a great tool to build compassion. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I heard this quote by uh, or from Abraham Lincoln, mm. where he said, "I don't like so and so. I must get to know him better." Wow! And so the idea is wow. that the more we get to know someone, mm. the more that compassion builds up in us. I think you know. Well, just real quick, because sure. we just had our branch branch managers conference, mm-hmm. and there was even though it may not have been a topic on the list there was emotional intelligence built into that because we got to know the other people, right? People that we only knew from a statistic or from a name or Mm -hmm. from a branch Mm -hmm. there. I have a much different perspective today than I did a week ago because I got to engage and learn a little bit about them. So it's, I love that. Mm -hmm. That's a great quote. Yeah. And I think what's important too, in getting there and that compassionate um, emotion that you're experiencing with somebody attention is really important and we all know how difficult attention is for us nowadays you know we're all distracted by lots of things a lot of technology technology is great there's some great advantages of it but most of us always have a phone in our pocket or in our hand and offering attention to that person again is another way to build compassion um because it, it takes focus and it takes work. And I think we have to work even extra harder now because of how 
technologically connected we are rather than, you know, face-to-face human interaction. So the difference between, because you're right, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that people on teams can make huge strides in Mm -hmm. building a more cohesive team by simply getting to know the other person. Right. And that may be going and bowling together. Yep. That might be going to, um, what's that place that you can go into the little room and you figure out the clues and all that. Oh yes. I've not done room. Yeah. Escape room. room. We've Mm -hmm. done that. Um, that maybe you get to know a little too much, but that's okay. Um, you know, cause, cause all of your characteristics come out, which right. is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but also looking at, because there is a big difference between sympathy and empathy or mm-hmm. empathy, right. you know, and, and they're both important. Can, can you, can you sort of elaborate? Well, you didn't start at all. So you, you can you speak to the sure. difference? Yeah. Sympathy is really feeling bad for somebody. Mm-hmm. So someone's situation or, or what they're experiencing, you yeah. just feel bad for that person. Right. Empathy is the idea that you're feeling with them. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if someone's sad for whatever reason, you are actually experiencing sadness mm-hmm. because of that, because of them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, I'm going to jump into a little bit of a vulnerable example here, but sometimes this happens in movies even. You know, you're watching movies and you're feeling... You're a big crier in movies, I bet. Well, I'll tell you, it's embarrassing, but (laughs) the first movie I remember crying in was A League of Their Own. (laughs) You know, the girls' baseball team. There's no crying in the movies. (laughs) Exactly. That was a good one. Oh, man, the end just got me. And I, whatever it was, I don't even remember how old I was when I saw it, but I remember feeling with them on that screen. And, Mm. um, and so that's, that's a better example of empathy. Um, and there's a, there's a, a level of empathy that Daniel Goleman talks about called empathic concern. And that is, it's really almost taking it a step further. You know, if I meet someone, they share their story and man, my heart just breaks for them or I feel the Mm. sadness, or maybe I feel kind of a, a righteous level of anger, whatever the situation is. It's one thing to feel that, but to go a step further, that empathic concern, it's to then feel it and then do something about it. Mm. Um, and so it, it really, that emotion leads you to action. Wow, because sympathy and empathy, I mean, I get what you're saying. Sympathy, you can be sympathetic and feel bad. Maybe you're watching right. the news and you're like, wow, that really uh, that stinks. Yeah. You know, there. not that that's a bad or good thing. It's just right. when you when you use the empathy part of it, Exactly to your point, for instance, the young boy who got bullied at school in Florida. Yes. You know, I felt sympathy for that young man. Mm -hmm. But then the empathy part of that, I went and bought a shirt, you know, I mean, so I took a little action. Mm -hmm. um, And that's a really interesting uh, perspective on that, because, you know, one is not better than the other. You just have to understand the difference, Mm -hmm. you know, because someone could say, man, I, I, I really have sympathy with you. Mm-hmm. Well, what, is, what does that really mean? You right. know? So mm-hmm. that's very interesting. How could you use that in a real estate situation? You know, a lot of times when people, uh, specifically on the listing side, mm-hmm. they are, um, there's a lot of reasons people list a home that are uh, difficult, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's, oh. um, you know, estate sales because yeah. of the loss of a family member or divorce, you know, there's or loss of a job, they need to sell their home. You know, there's, there can be, it's not always, but there can be some pretty big, you know, very dramatic reasons. Uh-huh. And so meeting someone as a real estate agent to meet someone in that experience 
feel that with them, give them space to, you know, be, be vulnerable and, and really express or feel whatever they need to with you and spend time not avoiding that, but, but saying, you know, spending some time with empathy and saying, gosh, this must be really, really tough. Mm. Um, and having that lead to action, I think would be, I guess the example, um, is I'm going to, I feel this with you and that's going to help me stay motivated and work my tail off to get this house sold for you, Mm. you know, and use that as a, as a motivator because of the experience with them. You mentioned last time about how you, um, had went through sort of that, I guess it was your, well, you went to school. Mm -hmm. What was your degree in your, so it, it, it's a master's in organizational leadership. Okay. Um, but at one point you had learned some things and I don't remember where you learned those things. I'm trying to remember, but mm-hmm. you were using one of the tools in, in your personal relationship with your wife. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was using, I think it was using sympathy on one hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it became, and you mentioned that it came, it started to become a little bit too more, much about you, I think. Yes. Right. So you have to be careful. There's a line there because, you know, that must be really tough. And, you know, I can remember one time when that happened to me and, and then you just, you know, you got to say, okay, at some point you got to, you got to pivot to let's go empathy and let's say, what can we do to help solve this? Yeah, right. Absolutely. I think that's a great example for that because it's, it's that empathy turning toward curiosity Mm. and really engaging in some questions and right. conversation um, rather than just, you know, hijacking the story to be about yourself. And I want you to be sympathetic towards yeah, me Yeah, let me tell you about my experience yeah. and spend 20 minutes doing that. You know, right. it, keep it under 30 seconds or so. Um, right. Because it can backfire on you. And I think, and I don't mean backfire as if you're not going to be in that relationship or whatever. I right. mean, it's going to, it, it, trust is like a water balloon. I think we mentioned that last mm-hmm. time. And sometimes if people, whether or not you are trustworthy or not trustworthy, it's all about perception. So mm-hmm. especially in a sales situation, you don't want, cause I mean, people are attuned to what you can't, what they think you might be doing. Right. And you have to just be strategic. And, and also you have to come from a place of um, genuine care. Yeah. That's a key. Yeah. We're going to continue this conversation on emotional intelligence with Daniel Park right after these messages. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, this is Kevin Ray. Uh, this show is provided and presented by Mortgage Investors Group, MIGonline.com. You can go there and find the office located nearest you. We have offices in Memphis, all the way to the Tri Cities and everywhere in between, and including Oak Ridge, Tennessee, the Atomic City. Uh, and that's where Mark is our um, head of operations, I guess our manager in that location. 
Um, Mark, you've uh, recently added uh, Mandy is now full-fledged loan officer, right? Is That's that correct? correct. She's been an assistant to Norma Sheldon, a top mm-hmm. loan officer out of our office for a long time, and now she's out on her own. She knows how to get a loan closed. So if you're in Oak Ridge or around Oak Ridge, definitely give them a call for sure. Um, they can get the job done. Um, so you can to go to our website and learn more. We've got a lot of exciting things going on. Um, we'd love for you to partner with us. Uh, and you can also reach us by phone if you needed to. And that is 1-800-489-8910. So we're continuing the conversation here with Daniel Park. He is a realtor here in Knoxville. Um, he also happened to own a um, hostel in uh, was it, where was it? In again? Prague. In Prague. Yes. Um, which was a very fascinating story. We're going to, can we link the show just so oh, we're we, going to, there'll okay. be part one we're gonna and have two a series. on, on yeah. the same promo. You're going to get a whole slider. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, so we'd love for you guys to go, um, locate that and go to the housinghour.com. Um, depending upon when you're listening to this rebroadcast or you may be listening live, we've got all Daniel's information there. Um, you can locate it, find out how to get in contact with him. Um, if you would like to find out when his next class might be, I'm sure that there's going to be one in the future. And by the way, does that happen on demand? Is it kind of like, will I get some people interested? Are you actively promoting it or how is that working? Good question. Um, not actively promoting it right mm-hmm. now. It's yeah. really kind of case by case or, or maybe office by office. So word of mouth has traveled a little bit. And so folks will hear about it um, from somebody and reach out and say, hey, would you come do it with our group? We've got a team mm-hmm. that I think would benefit. So um, that's, I have considered making it a more public thing and, and, you know, booking a space and doing it that way, but I haven't scheduled any of those to date. Right. So, and I don't recall if we talked about this the last time, but, and I don't, I'm not sure if, if I mentioned the ideal team player, the book, the oh. ideal team player. Have you read that book? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that'll, that's going to be a good segue. I, I love Patrick, yeah. Patrick Lindsay. Me too. I love the fables because it mm-hmm. helps me really kind of engage with what he's talking about. Right. But We've taken the mantra that when we hire someone, we want them to have those three characteristics, hungry, humble, and smart. Mm-hmm. And the reason it was so interesting is because, and I don't remember if I read the book after we had our conversation, mm-hmm. but the smart is what I want to focus in on first, because what his, um, what his real goal in this book was to say, hey, I wrote the book before about the five dysfunctions of a team. Right. I've also written other books. But I've been asked over and over again, well, what is a team player? Because these five dysfunctions are prevalent in my company, and how do I change that? So his whole concept is, well, you have to start at the very bare bones interview level Mm -hmm. so that you're locating people and hiring people that possess these qualities. And the qualities are hungry, meaning they're wanting to get do a good job. They're mm-hmm. wanting to go out and, and, and make things happen. And they're going to be hungry and want to try new things and do new things. And then also humble, you know, that's a very difficult one to define, but um, the example that they used in the fable was of this gentleman who was an executive level person. And after some investigation and some research, it was determined that just little things were hints. One is that he didn't remember the receptionist name mm-hmm. who he had spent a lot of time with. Um, he was unwilling to allow them to reach out to the, you know, the, the administrative staff at his previous job, you know, not something that's just going to be right there on. Right. So then the smart, and that's what I want to get to. And then we can talk about those others as well. Cause I think self-awareness and those things also play into that, mm-hmm. but the smart part, 
What are they talking about? You know, I think, uh, and this is one thing that I do cover in the class, Mm -hmm. talking about the value of competency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're interacting with somebody in any industry and you are trying to get, you know, work from that person, you're in sales, whatever it is, um, knowing that you know what you're doing goes Mm -hmm. a long way. And I think that contributes a lot to trust, too. I agree. You know, I think that there's... A couple elements on how to develop trust. One of them is getting to know that person, the whole compassion piece we've been talking about. And the other is is knowing what you're doing. Yeah. And so um, I do, and I mentioned this in the first episode, but I do think it's important that, um, you know, this this person who's smart is learning, growing, and wants to get better. But also, I love that Patrick includes that humble piece, Mm -hmm. because you also want the person who's willing to say, you know what, I don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be instances where I've not encountered that. That comes up in real estate a lot, Mm because things are changing, and every house is a little bit different. You know, there's always new information to learn. The loans are always changing. Yeah, exactly. You guys (laughs) have have the experience as well. So um, keep, you know... Keeping those elements together, the smart, the competent part, but also humble and recognizing when you don't have all the answers is good, too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the humble, hungry and smart and really to make sure that people who want to read the book understand it's really kind of a two pronged approach to the smart. Yes, they are. They are talking about competency, but Mm -hmm. but also people skills is really the heart of what he talks about in that being smart means people smart. Like being able to intellectually understand where somebody is in their life Mm -hmm. and not have to do a lot of, you know, soul searching. You can read the person's body language. Mm -hmm. You you know them. So the smart thing, because competence is a key element of that and and being good at your craft. Right. Um, But also the other part of it that I love how it, it, it marries all of what you believe and what you stand for, because we talk about what's your motivation, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and, and then also what is, what is your, what is your level of, of self-awareness? Right. Um, because people smart and people skills, those are two things you, you talk about a lot. Yeah. And you know, a lot of there's, there's ways to approach that, that people smart aspect and some of it's paying attention to body language and understanding what people need, even if they're not verbally expressing that need, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's relating, it's connecting, and it's focusing on that individual and really getting the focus off yourself. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it's a challenge and it takes work. Um, I think it's amazing that there's lots of studies out there now. One that was done by uh, the Carnegie Institute of Technology where they they did a um, some research and found that 85% of people's financial success in life is based on their human engineering skills or their people smart abilities. Wow. So only 15% is based on your experience or your education. Um, 85% right. is more on the soft skills, which is incredible. That. Yeah. That's interesting because we talked about that scenario where um, you're looking to help a family with a listing. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's say their mother died mm-hmm. and you're needing to list their property. Well, as a new agent, Let's just, let's say from, okay, let's say a new agent, which you're not, but mm-hmm. a new agent. Yeah. That is a potential hornet's nest right. for them. So going into it eyes wide open is a must mm-hmm. because 
you know, there's so many dynamics that go, go into that. And this is kind of what we're talking about. So if you're out there listening and you're a real estate agent, or maybe you're just someone who is working at a job at TJ Maxx, or maybe you're working at Westtown Mall selling cell phones, or maybe you're working, you know, at Mortgage mm-hmm. Investors Group as a loan officer. The idea is, is that you need to know what circumstances that you're walking into, you know, mm-hmm. and the the reason I use the example of the, um, cause you sort of brought it up. Um, mm-hmm. it's an estate, you know, well, who is the number one you have to figure out? And this is just an example. Who is the decider? Right. You know, to use uh, George Bush's, uh, mm-hmm. was it the, the decider? I think I can't remember the yeah. word he made up strategery. You have to strategic. be st- strategic and have strategery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, because that's important. Who's the decider? Right. Who, who, who are, who are the players that I need to be able to emotionally connect with mm-hmm. and all those things, you're not just going to learn from looking at, you know, the house. Right. You have to ask questions. Yeah. And this is where some of the tools like the disc profiling and Myers-Briggs really helps because you can, you you don't want to box people in because everyone's unique. There's 8 billion people in the world. Everyone's unique. Um, I didn't know it was up that high. I'm pretty sure it is. It's close. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what's, um, what's important is knowing how people need to receive information. Some people just want the facts. Just give me the numbers and let's move. Mm. Um, some people want you to ask about what their spouse was like when they were mm. here, you know, and not be afraid of the emotion that might well up in that moment. So um, it's really, like you said, it's important to know what you're getting into, who you're talking to, and do your best to, you know, adjust accordingly based on what their needs are. And again, it's, it's a challenge and it takes work because some of those needs are nonverbal. They're not going to just tell you. Yeah. And, and, you know, Mark, I was thinking about your time, um, in the HOA over at Bennington Mm -hmm. and you have to deal with that. Have you ever been the president or were you like on the board? No, still on the board. You're still on the board. Mm -hmm. In in that situation, guess what? You've got how many other homeowners there? No, 300 plus. So you have to have serious emotional intelligence to be able to deal with that. I want to actually pick back up on that because I do want to talk a little bit more also about self-regulation because you mentioned Mm -hmm. that and also motivation and how that plays a part. Guys, continue with us right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, this is Kevin Ray. I feel like a broken record, but that's okay. Um, But this is the Housing Hour. I have Mark Griffith here, who is our Director of uh, First Impressions. Yeah. <laughs> for Mortgage Investors Group. On Pinterest, um, no doubt. That's right. That's right. But in all seriousness, he's our executive producer and co-host. Landon is in there and spinning the records, has some great stuff that he's been adding to the show today and, and a lot of value that he brings to the table. So we thank you for, um, and we miss you. We miss you for sure. Um, and we also have, uh, Dan, no reason to respond. It's fine. Um, no, uh, we have Daniel, <laughs> we have Daniel Park as well, who is a realtor, um, and also trainer. I guess you also sure. wear that hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been talking about emotional intelligence and how to use um, self-awareness and, and, you know, empathy um, and knowing the difference between sympathy and empathy is important. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked also about uh, a little bit about, you know, having people skills and that is all encompassing, you know. Um, and we mentioned the Patrick Lencioni book, The Ideal Team Player. Mm-hmm. Um, have you read The Advantage? 
Yes. It's, it's so, been a few years, but okay. yes, that's probably my favorite. Yes, because he takes all of it and, and yeah. it's like, and it's also good because it's not a fable. I right. like fables. I do too, but, but it's more direct. It's more direct. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're out there listening, um, the gentleman, Daniel, what was the guy's name? Who, Goldman. Goldman. And mm-hmm. he's written the book called Emotional Intelligence. Yep. Um, one, that's one person that we want to reference because mm-hmm. some of this content comes from him. Um, also Patrick Lencioni, none of these folks have a monopoly on emotional intelligence, but right. we've learned from both those individuals, um, and also credit to Mark Griffith as well for some of the other stuff that we've learned today. I'm serious. Um, but let's segue now because mm-hmm. my motive for doing what I do, it's really hard for me to sense Okay, I'm trying to think, what's Mark's motive? Well, Mm -hmm. the good news is I know Mark, been around him forever, since Mm -hmm. 1994 I've known him. I know where his heart is, and I know why he does what he does, and I know, I kind of know why he's involved in all the things he's involved with, and they're Mm -hmm. all very positive. Mm -hmm. So when Mark does something that I might think, hmm, that's that's out of character for Mark, he has tremendous grace for me because I know what, where his heart is. Right. So, but then every time when I find out what was behind it, it was always for the better good of whatever the situation was, you know, mm-hmm. because I know his motives. Mm-hmm. I know what drives him. You know, I feel like I do. And I hope the same is for me as well. Absolutely. But that is something that doesn't come overnight, Daniel. Right? The, the, right. How does, how do you, how do you start to even, understand what somebody's motive is and how is that important you know working with clients it's a little different because it you don't have the time like you've said that you get you have with mark to understand what's kind of behind the why Uh um but it's good to just start out and have a conversation from the from the get-go of what is their goal what is their objective you know that curiosity comes again back uh as a very important part of that and doing your best to understand. And you know what I've learned, too, is even, you know, in moments where you might guess at somebody's motivation or, or what they're aiming at, it's okay if you're wrong because they will correct you with what's right. Mm. So meaning, um, you know, you may be looking at selling a house and um, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example off the off the top of my head, but, you know, Aiming at, you know, I think this client wants this scenario to play out because of this reason. And they may say no, but it's actually because of this scenario, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's it's OK to even guess because sometimes that can help um, help that person and that client verbalize what they're what they're aiming at a little bit better. Um, so motivation, you know, I think it's important to as looking at it more internally and figuring out what is my why Mm -hmm. and what is my my objective what is a win for me in this career in this individual deal in this relationship um and constantly be evaluating that Mm. let me ask you something sure can't we go the other direction on some of this like if it give the person the benefit i, I don't want to sound like pollyanna yeah but i mean giving the person the benefit of the doubt and they they come out strongly kevin mentioned hoa mm-hmm. uh, work before at the end of the break right. and you know a lot of times you you run into conflicts you right. run into neighbor disputes um you run into 
misinformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and basically, it's not their fault they have the wrong information. Everybody's too busy. I, you know, they collect sure. what they can, and they make their judgments on it. And then we got to cut them a break. So we can't just sit in, in judgment of them and say, oh, here's just another difficult neighbor. Right. You've got to give them a break and say, I just don't think they fully understand what's going on in the situation. Let's see yeah. if this subpoena will help. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I love that, Mark. I'm, I'm yeah, glad you, you brought that yeah. up because I think it was in Brene Brown, one of her books. She talks about those who are inclined to, to give someone the benefit of the doubt in general are just happier people mm. when you're not just yeah. assuming the worst about others. Wow. But you, so I am Pollyanna. You so are Pollyanna. That's, that's what we'll call you from now on. Uh, no, I think I, I love that you brought that up because I think that is really important that it, it, we need to give people grace, give them the benefit of the doubt. And, um, you know, the, and, and I think that builds almost like builds a muscle. The more you do it, the more that's your going to be your kind of natural response. Well, there is something interesting that what you just said, because um, not my marriage, but some marriages that I know of, let's just say, let's use a fable. Okay. So you have uh, Jan, who is the wife and you have Jim, who is the husband and Jan does not really want to trust the person that's doing the repairs or that you're going to go out and get. But Jim, on the other hand, is very much just wants to say, hey, you know what? I was, they were referred to me. They're going to do a good job, and, and I trust that they will, and I'm going to have faith that they will. Whereas Jan wants to you know, check seven different places. Right. They, they, she wants to go about you know, investigating the reviews and all that. There's a balance. What I'm getting at is, and I'm not saying that's my marriage, but I, I'll say me and Pam have that dynamic. Okay? Sure. Yeah. Because I, I tend to want to just trust people. And maybe it partly is just laziness, to be honest. But, but whereas my wife, she does want to ha- do her due diligence. So there, mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You, know, you do want to make sure that you have done the homework, make sure that you're not making a ill-informed decision and you're not doing it just because of you want to get it behind you and do mm-hmm. it because that so there's that combination of you know what is it ultimately that you're looking for are you looking for um, someone to co-sign that this person has genuine motivation or do you want to give them the benefit of the doubt and just say hey let's just see what happens and and, and then we can make our decision based upon that um, that's why i love going and shopping at like target for instance I'm going to buy it because I know that if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be able to take it back and they're mm-hmm. going to, they're going to accept that. Right. Um, I was all over the board there, but do you get sort of what I'm saying? Say no, if not. No, I, th- I think, and that goes back to yeah. trust, you, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt is putting some trust into that person. And there may be moments where that comes back and hurts you a little bit, but I think in general, it has hurt me many times. Yes. And, and but, <laughs> But you're okay. I mean, I'm, you know, it's, it's not, not the end of the world. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, like you said, too, from the other's standpoint, doing a lot of due diligence is not a bad thing either. Right. Um, you're probably going to avoid some of that pain mm-hmm. by doing that on the front end. Um, to me, it, I, I don't know. I'm not, you know, an expert on this, but I would say moderation is probably a good 
word to mm-hmm. use in this scenario. That's why, we are, that's why we've been married 17 years, coming on 17 years. We're very good balance for one another. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But Daniel, in your training, has there been discussion about a change in the dynamics of human beings since, you know, maybe even the 50s, the 60s, the 70s? It just seems like they're intolerant now. Like the conversations on Facebook. And we're supposed just, to be more tolerant. We're supposed yeah. to, yeah, we're supposed to be more forgiving, but we're we're going reverse in this. I think seems like. I think technology's played a big role in that. I think the attention piece we talked about earlier is, you know, it's hard for me to give my attention to you, Mark, really get to know you if my phone's constantly buzzing in my pocket and I'm curious who's calling, what's the issue, and I'm not really listening to what you're telling me. So, I don't know. I th- I think that's a big uh challenge that we face right now then mm. that didn't exist you know 20 years ago 30 yeah. years ago i like this and we're going to roll through this last minute because we're already done with the show which is incredible, incredible. i know <clears throat> but for those out there and you know you think about what someone's motive is i'm going to just define for you these are two things to think take into account so motivation motivation refers to a process of stimulating someone to act in a def- definite way to achieve a goal and then inspiration kind of the other part of that mm-hmm. inspiration is defined as an act of influencing people mentally and emotionally to do something creative. And then you think about what's the force. Uh, motivation is a driving force. Inspiration is a pulling force. Mm. Um, great. The sense of resistance from motivation and then the sense of excitement and effortlessness comes with inspiration. Life and the motivation, it's very short-lived, and inspiration is everlasting. And, and I heard someone say this once, and I can't remember who give credit for it, but it's like motivation is kind of like a bottle rocket. Mm-hmm. And then inspiration is like a pilot light, and it, it, it stays on. Steady. So mm-hmm. if you can draw on inspiration, and, and, and this has been an, an evolving discussion, we're going to have you back because we want to pick this ball up and run with it. Thank you so yeah. much, Daniel. Oh, it's my pleasure. In. Love Thank being you. here with you guys. Thank you, Mark. We'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also, check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.